God, we want to thank you for this, this thing we get to celebrate every year, a reminder. And Lord, I pray that as we come into this week of... Um, this, this, this week with our collision with the cross. I pray that we're not going to take it lightly. I pray that we would see it in the sacredness that it is, in the holiness and the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, let's put the, uh, put the verse this morning up there. This is 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now remember, this is, this is John, and he's writing to the church, and he is going to come back to the, the, what it looks like, the, the rubber to the road. He's going to come back to the, the idea of this is what a transformed life looks like. And remember last week, he, he kind of left that. He said, he, first he talked about obeying God, then he talked about loving the church, and then he encouraged us last week. And I believe he stopped that because he stopped his, this, um, this rubber to the road, what it looks like idea, because he wanted to make sure that he didn't lose any of us. He wanted to encourage us to tell us that everything that I'm asking of you, everything that, that to, to walk in harmony and to walk in the rhythms of God, it's not too far above us. The bar is not too high. We can live the way that God and Jesus, they call us to live. And he wants to make sure that we're encouraged that way. That, that this, is, this is not something that, that is for those other people, the, the holier-than-thou people, the, the special Christians. This is for everyone. And see, we can get there because, not because we're so good, not because we've got it all together, not because we have all the answers, because of Christ in us. That's why we can do it. That's why we can live the things that, that Jesus and, and the scriptures call us to live. And so John wrote last week, he said, followers of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Say, why, don't you, why don't you just say that? My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. Say it like you believe it. My sins are forgiven because of Jesus. And then he'd go on to say that because of Jesus in our lives, that you have given, been, been given strength and power to overcome the evil one. Why don't you say that too? I've, that was terrible. I've been given strength and power to overcome the evil one. That's who you are in Christ. And you say like, I've been given strength and power to overcome the evil one. Woohoo, I want some of what you have. Mm-hmm. But no, you see, we, we just take these things for granted. And then he'll tell us that, you know God. Because of Christ, because of the life of Christ in you, 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 you know God. Say, say, say it with me. I know God. God is known by me. 
I know God. God knows me. That's a little better. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? We were listening to bluegrass gospel music this morning. No, it wasn't all right. But it was, I mean, it was, it was. <laughs> but it had a Jesus message to it. So, so I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm losing myself here. Uh, where am I? Okay, so, so up until this point, up until this point in, in John's letter, he, he writes about the things that we are empowered to do. And now he's going to write about the things we are empowered to avoid. He says, he says don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Yes, we're to love God. We're to love his commands. We're to love those rhythms and harmonies he calls us to walk in. He says, yes, we're to love the brothers and the sisters in the church. But, but, but don't get caught up in the things of the world. Don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. Now, these are some pretty heavy words. This is a big, huge, weighty, sweeping policy. And I believe that we have to understand what's going on here. We have to get this. We have to be able not only to understand it intellectually, it's got to get into our heart and soul, and so that we can live these things. Do not love the world or anything in the world or the love of the Father. It's not in us. Now, because of these words being so blunt and kind of just like right out there with a lot of force, they have been taken out of context so many times. They've been, they've been just kind of messed up and, and, and people have been crushed by them. And see, the, the, the problem is it's our human nature. Because we generally, as humans, we like to come to our own defense, and, and so it's, it's really difficult for us to honestly and, open, and openly look, look deep within us and, 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 and surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit and say, search me, O God. That's a horrifying prayer. That scares me. And it's hard to go there and then to actually allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. So when it, when it comes to texts like this in the Bible, it's, much, it's just much easier to go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. But you people, you all got to pull it together because there's fire and brimstone in your future if you don't get a hold of this. And see, we the church, people in the church, people, them, just, we've become so proficient at being able to rationalize our shortcomings, to rationalize our sin. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as that guy. Or, you know, God, God wants me to be happy. Or, 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 or the one I love, he's, he's going to forgive me anyway. And so we've become very good at just kind of explaining away our sinful nature. In fact, I would say that verses like this in the Bible, they're most often quoted by people quoting them to someone else. Oh man, you know what? You should, dude, what I see in you, you should not be loving the world or the thing, the love of God is just not in you. And we, we project that on someone else. When was the last time that you took this verse to heart? I mean, like deeply, intimately to heart. When was the last time you read it like this? I should not be loving the world. Man, I, Lord, I should not be loving the things of this world. I know that if I fall in love with the world, I don't have the love of the Father in me. I don't have love for the Father in me. 
When's the last time you let those words penetrate your heart and soul, opened yourself up to the Holy Spirit's work? Took it, took it for yourself and not for anyone else. I would say that if you have done that, that's awesome. But that posture is the exception and not the rule. See, it's easier for me to deal with your sin. Because I could see it. Look at it all. Look at you. (laughs) It's so much easier for us to deal with other people's sin and not our own. But we, as the church, need to take verses like this, texts like this, and we need to take them not only on face value, but we have to take them personally for ourselves. This verse is not for the person who you notice that isn't here today that oh, really needs to hear this. This is for you and this is for me. You know what? Since we got this, since we got this banter going back and, on this, back and forth this morning, why don't you look at the person next to you and say, say to them, this verse is for me. Yeah, some of you just chicken right out of that. Mm-hmm. This verse is for me. <laughs> and so we need to understand, we need to understand what, what the idea, what's this thing, the world? He, he says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, we have to understand what this term actually means. And so what I want to start out by is, is kind of speaking to what, what it's not, okay? The, this idea of not loving the world is not the church, meaning the people in the church. It's not about the church checking out of the world, checking out of the culture, checking out of society, getting all holed up in our, in our comfy little building here. And besides, you know, I got complaints this morning about my incense smell. Some people. Okay, I'm going to just tell you pagan people just something here. I searched the internet and that, that's, that's the recipe out of Exodus. What now? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the Catholics have something on us. No, they did not. It's the gum and the resin and the, and it smelled like Denny's when I came in here this morning because we had the men's breakfasts. So there, but I digress. Where am I? Okay, so it's not about just the church holding up in this building. We're all safe and sound, and we just want to avoid all those potty mouth people that walk around out there. I don't want all that pagan schmutz on me, so I'm going to just get in here, and I'm going to stay in here. Listen, and you know what that does? It segregates people. It segregates people because what happens is we, we need to live this religious life, and they, we don't want anything to do with them because they might be, they might get that uncleanness on me and ruin my religious life. Let me tell you something. You are not called to live a religious life. You are called to live a Jesus life because a Jesus life is where there's abundance of life. Religious religion kills. It kills, but Christ brings life. And so we can't just segregate ourselves. You know, let me say this about that. Just, just, just like, just like kind of holding up in the church with only church people, that is not going to guarantee anything. That doesn't guarantee that we are not going to get caught up in the things of this world. I'll tell you what it can guarantee, that we're going to be able to hide our sin from the community and we can live like hypocrites much easier. I think the other wrong idea about this text and the way it's kind of... Um, taken out of its context is we like to define what the world is in my terms. You can define it in yours, 
But I like to define it, what, what, what I think it is, and what I am comfortable with. Not what John actually meant, but what I am comfortable with. And so if we begin down that trail, that's a dangerous trail to go down because we're going to miss the message that God has for us. So if I say things like, well, what I believe not loving the world means is I don't go to R-rated movies. Unless, of course, they're about Jesus or God of the Bible. And so that's the definition I put on it. Or I don't listen to secular music. I only listen to Christian music. And I've said this before. There's no such thing as Christian music. Because a Christian is a person who has made a commitment to follow Jesus. A song can't do that. And I've heard some really terrible music that's got the label Christian on it. And I've heard some secular music that has spoken right to my heart. Now, the only exception to this rule is country music. That is a sin. So, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm just laying it out there. I, 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 Leviticus chapter 4. It's one of those thou shalt not things. I, don't argue with me. Don't kill the messenger. All right. <laughs> Or I define not loving the world as like, I don't swear. I say dagnabbit and what the heck. But you know what? I know what you mean. Everyone else knows what you mean. It's kind of, it's kind of laughable. You can't, you can't hide in your heart with your little Christianese saying. I mean, what the heck? I'm not going to say it, but you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. That's just Christian swearing. That's all it is. And and it's acceptable in our community. And so we term, we, we define what loving the world looks like. We define worldliness in my own terms. I have my terms, you have your terms, and my terms are right and, and your terms are wrong. And if you don't follow my terms, and son, daughter, you are loving the world. Do not love the world, anything in the world. The love of the Father is not in you. And you see how dangerous that gets because, because that begins to focus on behavior. That begins to focus on behavior, and focusing on behavior is so far away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Christ wants the soul, the heart. The rest he knows will come. We cannot focus on our behaviors because we'll never behave the way we should. And so we need to get this. We need to understand what John is talking about here. Because if we don't understand it, we will fall prey to something unbiblical that we've taken from the pages of Scripture. And that's a dangerous thing. That's a very dangerous, slippery slope. And people are very quick to come against worldliness. Uh, Even some pastors are very quick to take a stand against worldliness. But they miss the entire idea. They take this out of the context of how it's been written. We call that proof proof texting. And when you proof text Bible verses, you take a Bible verse or verses and you make it fit what you want it to say. What's easy for you to say. What you want to believe in. And not what the author originally attended it for. And see, that gets right back to defending me and condemning you. Because I'm going to tell you something that I think this believe, that, that, that I believe it says... To make sure that I'm good and, yeah, not so much you. You see, 
We make it all kind of fit, fit nicely as we define what it means. And then you know what? You know what the good thing about that is? I never have to struggle with loving the world. You do. I don't. Because I've defined it in the things that I'm comfortable with. Maybe the things that I don't really struggle with. It's not about behavioral modification. It's about the spirit of the Lord living within each and every one of us. And so these words, they're for all of us. And we have to let them sink in and penetrate our heart and penetrate our soul. And we have to allow them to do the work that God intended them to do. And these, this is one of those texts in the Bible that it will, if you let it in, it will dig deep down into your soul. And it will do some work. It will do some cutting. It will do some burning. It will do some revealing. It's good work. It's painful work. But it still is good work. And this is why I believe John had to encourage us before he even went here to say, listen, Christian, your sins are forgiven. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome the evil one. You know God and you are known by God. Now don't love the world and don't love the things in the world. You know, as I've, um, I get to talk to a, a lot of people and, and you know, you, you, we run into those crabby Christians or like we call them here, the Eeyore Christians. Um, I, I think, I think they, they don't walk in that that vibrant life that God would have for them because they failed to allow verses like this to get a hold of them. And yes, as painful as this may seem, when you, when you actually let it sink in, this is meant for our good. This is meant to bring life. This is meant to bring abundant life. And so what does the world mean? What's John getting at? Well, is it creation? No. I mean, we see the glory of God in creation. Sunrise, sunsets. I've witnessed many more sunsets. Sunrise happens way too early for me. But, you know, the, the beauty of those things. Is it about our friends and our family and, and our friends that are not Christian and about our business and about our career? No, it has nothing to do with that. Well, what does it mean? I'm getting to that chill. The world, I don't love the world. It's about, a, it's about a mindset or a posture of the heart that ignores God. As simple as that. It's, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a heart that pays no attention to him. A life that is lived by ignoring the Lord. A, a heart that has turned its back on the things of God in rebellion. And unfortunately, we see so much of this in our culture and our society today. So much of this that goes on. People have no thoughts about the things of God or about God himself. Or even worse, I find, people have a wrong idea of God. They think wrongly about him. I was, I was watching a couple of weeks ago, Wife Swap. Don't judge me. I'm not fully sanctified. But anyway, um, Gary Busey was on there. Now, Gary Busey, he's made in the image of the Lord. But somewhere he got broken. And so Gary Busey, he, 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 he says he's a Christian, believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for his sins. But he actually believes he's been reincarnated about a dozen times. And he took part in all these, like, all these new age types of things, and, and they're burning incense and, and, waving, and waving stuff. And the wife swap that he was doing with was with Ted Haggard. 
And so it was very interesting. It, it, was, it was quality real reality TV. I'm just throwing it out there, right? I mean, if you had to watch one, Sandy even like paused it for me. So when I got home, I was like, wow. But you see, it's so dangerous to have a wrong idea of God, of who God is. And that's the world. We just kind of mishmash everything into one big lump and say, whew, I'm good. We pick and choose what we're comfortable with. And we say, whew, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with this. See, to not love the world or the world itself is, is a posture of the heart that's only interested in the here and the now. It's only interested in fulfilling my desires and my instincts. And it doesn't look to the Lord for anything. Now, he's, he's going to continue on here. He says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, and here's he's going to list a few things, the characteristics of it. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, many times we'll take that, that word lust, and we only attribute it to uh, things about sexuality, but it goes much, much farther than that. It goes much deeper than that. Lust is lust means to to reason to to. I'm going to read this right. To exceed a reasonable limit on a desire or an affection. To exceed a reasonable limit on a desire or an affection. Lust is to abuse something that is inherently good and legit. But to abuse it in some way. Lust is about being controlled by our desires. Whether that desire be for sex, for food, for relationships, for success, for money, even for the iPhone 6. That's when, we, when we lust, when that desire becomes controlling for that thing, we find ourselves in trouble. Those things are not bad especially the iPhone 6 when it comes out. But to lust after them, to make that the priority, we're going to get ourselves in trouble because those things, that posture of our heart for those things is of the world. And so he, he says the lust of the flesh, this is to gratify our, our sensualities. And again, this goes beyond sexuality, but sexuality plays a big part of it. You know, the, the, the people out there, I guess the, the culture now calls it hooking up. And they're just, there's promiscuity that runs rampant. That's, that's lust of the flesh. And, and there's people out, you know, there's people that they just, they live to eat, drink, and party. And, and, and that's all they want to be involved in. And that's, they live for that. They want to make sure that all of their desires are fulfilled and they're going to do everything they possibly can to make sure that their desire is fulfilled and make sure that they're happy. And they're going to be the center of attention, the center of everyone's universe, no matter what it takes. At whatever cost, at whatever personal cost or relational cost, they want to be it. And so that is their biggest desire, and their whole life is pointed to achieving those things, the lust of the flesh. But John would say that those things, that's, that's of the world. Now, we're talking about lust here, eating and drinking and, and being happy and, and, you know, not drunkenness. Um, but, but just, you know, partying and enjoying life and, and sexuality, I mean, those are gifts from God. But when those desire for those things control us, when we've, when we've perverted them and abused them and not the way that God would have for us, we turn something that's inherently good into something that 
will destroy us. You know, I think it's part of our human nature that we naturally abuse our desires. The desires that God gives us. It's, it's part of our sinful nature. But John says, don't fall in love with those things. Don't fall in love with that posture of just fulfilling your every whim and desire. And then he goes to the lust of the eye. I don't know about you, but sometimes people I find judge by an external or outward appearance. One of the funniest things I find in my own life is when people find out I'm a pastor. And they say, what do you do? Uh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, really. No, no, really. Oh, yeah, I, I am. What kind of church? Uh, one that serves Kool-Aid. You want to sip? You know, and I just have to mess with them like that. Um, because I know they're just like freaked out because, you know, I, I'm... Well, look at me. I, I mean, you know. Uh, and so this idea of, of the lust of, of the eyes is about putting value on the outward. Putting value on an outward appearance or the external things. Or even things that are temporary or false. You see, our eyes are what the world uses to pull us in. Pull us into to sin, to the things that would stand against God. And it, it's very sad to see people who are caught up in the externals. You know, what brand of clothes do you wear? Where, where well, you know, what, what's your body type? What do you look like um, from the outside? What, what kind of hairstyle do you have? What kind of product do you use in your hair? Pledge, doesn't everyone? <laughs> And, and then our cult, that's what our culture screams as, as what's important. And, but it even goes beyond that. You got to drive the right car. And you got to have the big house and all the bells and whistles in the house. And you have to have the bank account and the money and be able to do this and that. And, you know, what cruise line do you go on? What cruise line do you vacation on? And again, those things are not bad in and of themselves. They're really not. I mean, it's good to want to dress nice. I do it every Sunday for you. And it's okay to, to want you know, a nice haircut or a shiny head. I mean, those things aren't inherently bad. And it's okay to have a nice car or a nice house or, or even, even have, a, have, a, have a, a good size savings account. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's okay to want to go on a cruise on a ship that's not going to make you sick or sink possibly. I mean, it's okay to pick a good one. But when those things begin to control you, when you live to make sure you achieve those things... The next thing, the next car, the bigger house, you fall prey to the lust of the eyes. You fall prey to the lust of the eyes. And the desire for those things control you. That's what John talks about. And that is of the world. And then he'll say the pride of life. This is my favorite one. I think this is the most dangerous in the church. He says, in the pride of life, these things come not from the Father, but from the world. I see this pride of life thing kind of unfold in a very specific way. It's when we take pride in ourselves at the expense of other people. It's when we need to lift ourselves up by pushing other people down. It's when we compare what we have to the have-nots and we just look better. 
We think we, we look better. It's to take all of these accomplishments that we have in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And we believe that somehow now we've arrived in the, those poor folks. And we actually believe we are better than them. We actually believe we are better. I can never associate with those people. They, they, they don't buy their clothes from the right store. Those people... They didn't graduate from the right college. They didn't even go to college. Those, those, those people, they, 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 they're, just not, they're just not good looking enough to, to hang with me. Or they don't eat in the right restaurants. Or they don't live in the right neighborhood or their house is too small. They don't have any yard. They don't drive the right car. Look at that. I can't be seen with that kind of car like pulling up with me. And because we are comparing ourselves to people who have maybe less in the material world, we actually think we're better than them. It's the pride of life. You know, I have met many, many people who have strived for the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes, and they just can't seem to get there. They want to be able to boast, and they just can't seem to measure up, and they, and it's, they just fall into depression and anxiety, and it's a, this black hole. Because they're looking at what's not important as the most important thing. They're lusting with their eyes. See, these things have nothing to do with the soul. Nothing to do with the glory and honor of the Lord. I mean, and and, and this can creep into our church. Don't think we're immune to this at all because we are Christian Don't think we're immune to this because we have a really nice decorated cross or we're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to do a baptism and it's going to be amazing. We're not immune to any of this. This is part of our human nature, our sin nature. See, the standards that we use are dangerously part of our self-centered judging of others. And it's not a Christ-centered spirituality. When we boast in the church of our intellect or our knowledge or our theology or, or we know or we're better or I'm better behaved, all, we're, all it is is our pride that's striving to be honored by the world. That's all it is. There are way too many people in church. Not just, not, not, I don't even, I'm not even talking about here, but I'm sure we all ebb and flow. But I've met way lots of Christian people who love to play Holy Spirit. They love the Holy Spirit role. They love to be able to stand against, in others of course, stand against the lust of their flesh and the lust of their eyes. And what happens when we come at people in that way, we fall into the sin of the pride of life. Because we're, our heart is dark and we think we are better than them. That we have arrived. I need to point out what that brother, or what that sister is doing. I would never do such a thing. And that's dangerous again because it's behavior centered. If we come to a brother or a sister and we confront them because of, of sin in their life, we do it because, because we love them and we're broken for them. 
And we're broken and we want something better for them. And maybe it's our own experience. Man, I've been down that road and it's, it's an ugly place to be. You don't have to go there. That's the heart that we go to a brother and a sister with to confront them about their sin. We do it with tears in our eyes. Not thinking we're better than, than they are and we're going to fix them. We've got to fix them. That's not the heart that we go because that does nothing. That does nothing for them. It just breaks them down. And it makes you look like a jerk. I guess, I guess Jesus, I guess I've heard the term morality police. Jesus would have just called them the Pharisee. They thought they were better than everyone else. Because of their religiousness. Then verse 16, John writes this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. These things do not come from the Lord. Now church, we as followers of Jesus have the light and the life of Christ in us. We, we possess it. It's, it's in us. And because of that, we can live and avoid these things. We can live in these rhythms and harmonies that God presents to us. Because this is the way Jesus lived. Jesus was meek and he was lowly. He was, he was born to, to poor parents. He was born in a stable. His crib was a feeding trough. That's the way Jesus came into the world. And he worked hard with his hands. Manual labor. He was, a, he was a carpenter by trade. And when he was in ministry, he was homeless. That's Jesus. Meek. Lowly. He. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life they are inconsistent with who Jesus is. And because we have the life of Christ and the light of Christ in us, it should be inconsistent with who we are. Not because we are going to behave ourselves out of it, because it's here, it's in us. Jesus was a friend of people who the religious people didn't want anything to do with, the riffraff. But see, he was interested in their souls. He didn't care where they went to school, if they didn't go to school. He didn't care what they did for work. He didn't care, he didn't care what they, uh, how much money they made or, or they didn't make. He saw value in their heart and in their soul. And so it is with us who have the light and the life of Christ in us. We look beyond these external things and we see value in each and every person's heart and soul because we have all been made in the image of God. Every last person. It doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter size. It doesn't matter shape. It doesn't matter ethnicity. It doesn't matter whatever faith tradition you lend yourself to. We have all been created in the image of God. And Jesus looked past all of that stuff and went right for the heart and right for the soul. The honor that we should really desire is the honor of being known by him. And... Knowing him. If you want to desire something in your life, desire to hear those words at the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. 
In the last verse, it says, the love, I'm sorry, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You know, if, if, if we love this world, we, we lack an understanding of the gospel. If we love this world, and remember what we're talking about, if we love the fact that, that if, we lo- if we're in love with turning our backs on God, we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand sin. Because you see, all of this, everything you see, one day goes away. Everything you own, one day will be in a trash heap, in a landfill. It will be burned up. In fact, here's, here's the real kicker that I wrestle with. Within two or three generations, no one's going to remember who you are. You're welcome. But that's just, this, this wastes away. This is all going away. The desires that we have for stuff, it, it all fades away. It doesn't last. This is all temporary. If you're, if you're young and beautiful and in shape... Unless you die now, one day you're going to wake up old, wrinkly, and flabby. And things are going to hurt and ache. And your eye, you're not going to be able to see very well. And you're not going to be able to hear very well. On the outside, we're falling apart, but inside we're being renewed. It's what the scriptures tell us. This all goes away. We take nothing with us when we go. Our soul travels naked. Let me tell you, in the casket, the Armani suit deteriorates just as fast as the jeans and a t-shirt. We take nothing with us when we go. And so, church, I'm, I'm hoping that this week, let's call it Holy Week, man, you're going to wrestle with this verse a little bit for yourself. It's not about anybody else but you. Are you building your foundation on the sand? Are you building your foundation of your life on the rock who is Jesus Christ? Are you in love with God? Are you in love or are you in love with the things of this world? Which all goes away. This is all temporary. It all goes away. I think it's a question that we all need to wrestle with. Friday night when we, we have our, um, our Good Friday service, it's quite a heavy service. Uh, we would do the Stations of the Cross, but we'll use the video from The Passion of the Christ. And maybe, maybe this week is a week where you really think about Open yourself up to surrender your heart over to God and say, God, show me where I've fallen in love with the world. Show me where I've turned my back on you. And then you can write that on a piece of paper and then you can nail it to that cross. Because you see, that's the beauty of our Savior. He calls us out on these things not to make us feel bad or to punish us. He calls us out on these things so he can forgive us. And he can love us. He loves us into abundant life. And if you're going to nail something on that cross on Good Friday, Easter Sunday, it's going to be gone. Because the resurrection takes those things away. And you can know healing.
Lord, we want to thank you for your word and and this this powerful word this morning. And Lord, I pray that we won't be afraid of it because you call us to a place of, you you want us to walk in freedom and in this abundance of life for your glory and for your honor. And so, Lord, I pray that we would take this serious, that we would look to you this week, that we would, dare I say, even fast, spend more time in prayer, seek you while you can be found, God. And that we would be set free of some stuff. We love you and praise you. We stand before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, I will see you guys next week. I love you all.